I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome into the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host, Ben Anderson, recording this on Friday Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops, read me at kslsports.com, and always download the KSL Sports app. If you haven't done it yet, it's in your app store. Really easy to do. Go find it, the KSL Sports app. Uh, we haven't done this in a while with Sarah, but really happy to have her back. You can find her on Twitter at NBA Sarah. You can read her at Deseret.com. She covers the jazz for the Deseret News. It's Sarah Todd. Sarah, thanks for jumping on. Yeah, no problem. A lot of fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, it's been a, a wild a couple of weeks because the Jazz have won seven games in a row after being very average, I thought, to start the season at four and four. And offensive rating, defensive rating, they were like 15, 16, 17, 18 in those range. Uh, they had really high moments when if they shot the ball well, they won. And when they didn't shoot the ball well, they lost. And then they just caught fire. That uh, They figured it out after that New York Knicks lost, and they haven't lost since. Yeah, it's really normal, I think, not just for fans, but for any of us, the media, you know, any pundits around the NBA world to be sort of reactionary early in the season. And so when they start four and four, it's, you know, simple for everyone to think, well, it's a pretty average team once again, but, you know, you need a larger sample size and having this much of a win streak over this period uh, actually still pretty early in the season is a really good sign for them. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. Jazz have gone on runs like this each of the last, what, two or three years where it's, you know, late January or mid-January. They'll win 14 of 15 or, you know, 11 of 13, something like that, and they kind of skyrocket up to the top of the Western Conference standings or at least in the middle. Uh, They're doing this now two weeks into the season. Now we're basically a month into the season, a little bit, almost, almost at that point, and they're having this hot run. So my question is, do we see a hotter run at some point? Do they win 12 straight, 15 straight? Or do we think this is the best basketball the Jazz can play? I don't think this is the best that they can be. I mean, I, there's plenty of, you know, you could say that, you know, Mike Conley's playing like the best basketball very possibly of his career yeah, in a different role. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he's shooting the ball like it's the easiest thing that he's ever done and there's so many guys that are really playing at a high level but there's also like a ton of mistakes that they're making so I don't think that we've really seen like the top of what they can do whether or not they actually get to that top is the question yeah I guess there's always room for improvement and right now with the Jazz I think the two things we'd look at are turnovers and then maybe free throw shooting that's kind of the most obvious ones uh, and they make mistakes within a game and here's the thing they play so fast and they pass the ball so often I think some make are, uh, some mistakes are unavoidable, but they're playing 
I, I mean, I think this is the best they've played, even with those crazy runs we've talked about last year and the year before that. I know they were winning a bunch of games. This feels like the most complete team, where those were wild stretches, where Donovan was playing out of his mind. And he is right now, too, but he feels so in control. It just doesn't feel like this is going to stop. And he's not going to shoot 50% from the floor and 50% from the three-point line and 90% from the free-throw line like he has over the last seven games. But I don't see him dropping back and just having this crazy stretch of bad games like he had to start the year. Yeah, and I think it's also people sometimes expect like, oh, if they're a great team, then they're just going to like dominate every game. And that's just not true because all of the greatest teams throughout the history of the league and even the Lakers this season who are on top right now, they have lapses during the course of a 48 minute game where things falter and they don't look good and they make mistakes, you know, a handful of them in a row. And actually the, the sign of the good teams and the great teams are being able to like regroup and refocus within that single game rather than having to correct this, the mistakes in the next game or the next couple of games. And that's what the jazz have been doing during the stretch. It's going to be really nice when we see them play some of the more top tier teams in the league and see if they can do the same thing, you know, have, have the, the opposing team go on a run and actually withstand it and come back and get back on top. Yeah, and, and they did it last night against the Pelicans, where the Pelicans went up by 16, but no one would argue that New Orleans is a top team. So right. let's see what happens when you start playing. You get the Clippers a couple of times in the next month. You, you know, you've got some very difficult teams you've still got to play. I think you've got Milwaukee again before the end of the first half of the season. So the Jazz will get tested, and, and they're going to lose games, and they're going to make mistakes. And I think there's going to be tough stretches where fans are going to wonder, hey, what happened to that team that won seven in a row? But as far as how well the team's playing or where to make improvements, I, I think it comes down to individual players. Like Boyan Bogdanovich is still not playing great basketball. He just has too many stretches where he disappears or makes mistakes or misses wide open shots. I don't think that's great. And then I think there's actually another gear to Rudy Gobert that we haven't quite seen where he isn't playing as well as he has at his most dominant stretches. Yeah, and as far as also the test, you've got back to or that two game set with the Mavericks coming up. And I think that's going to actually be a really good test for the Jazz because not only is it that back to back set where they'll have each team will have a chance to like make adjustments for that second game, but the Mavericks are a great team and they have one of the best players, one of the best young players in the league. So I think that's going to be good. Yeah, it's going to be good. And the Jazz are getting a, a nice opportunity to get tested, good measuring sticks, a taste of how good they can be early in the season. I think all of those are really important. So I think they're in a good spot. I think the Jazz are doing well, and I think they're probably, I don't know, what would you say? Are they ahead of schedule compared to where you thought they would be at this point? I mean, I didn't think they'd be 11-4, and four, but are they playing better than you expected? Are they gelling quicker than you would have thought 15 games into the season? Well, I mean, from... I have I was only here for last season and the start of this one, but the you know research that I've done on you know that classic slow jazz start that they've had since Quinn has been here, I this is definitely better than I expected to start the season. And like you said earlier, they they're on this run earlier than they have been in previous seasons. And I think, like you said, with Donovan being in control, there's sort of a level of focus and maybe understanding from a lot of the players that they didn't have before and not just like for on-court stuff, but just like a sort of mentality for each game. Um, and I don't think that they're taking losses too hard or getting too excited about wins in the same way they might've before. And it looks really good on them. All right, let's do the conversation that everyone's talking about right now. And it was interesting. It generated a ton of buzz last night. I think rightfully so it hit a nerve for a couple of reasons. And it was not just that Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith said that, Donovan Mitchell isn't a superstar. I think if you had just said that, most Jazz fans would say, 
Yeah, I don't think he's a superstar. Like, he's not yeah. Kevin Durant or LeBron James. I don't think anyone's arguing that he is. But the it, it felt disrespectful. It felt personal for whatever reason. Why those guys would go after a guy like Donovan Mitchell who didn't play their same position isn't argued by anybody really as a top 10 player in the NBA is just kind of an emerging star who had an incredible playoff run and has been really good and probably better than expectations to his first three and now three and a half seasons in the NBA. It felt weird for Shaq to say all the things he wouldn't ever be able to do and then present it like it was a challenge. Like that wasn't Shaq just trying to insult somebody. Yeah, and it was weird. I mean, all the stuff that they said at halftime, like, that's fine. And, like, you're making a show or whatever, and you have to be entertaining, and that's going to entertain some people. So, you know, that's one thing. But then in the walk-off interview with Donovan, uh, Shaq started off by saying, you know, I said that you're one of my favorite players, which he didn't. So I don't know why right. he said that. And then he went on and said, and uh, I said that I don't think you can take it to the next level. I said it on purpose, and I wanted you to hear it. What do you have to say? And that's just a very weird way to start a conversation with someone coming off a 36-point performance on a seven-game win streak. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, of all the times to say it, that's the weirdest yeah. time to say it. Like, Donovan's never played better basketball other than maybe in their playoff stretch last year. And even then, I would probably point to, you know, the eight-second violation and kind of some of the mistakes he made where it did hurt the Jazz and it did cost them a chance to win that series. He's playing incredibly well right now and incredibly focused. And he's really, I mean, he's never going to be a great defensive player. And we'll talk about that coming up in a moment. But he's just not making mistakes that would be a time to nitpick his game of being like, oh, all he does is score. And that's not enough because we see a ton of guys like that. If you want to have that conversation about Russell Westbrook, that all he does is get triple doubles and doesn't help you win games. I think that's a really important conversation to have. I don't know about doing it with Donovan Mitchell when the measure of a team is their success and a measure of the best player, especially with Shaq's is do you have rings or not? Well, the Jazz are winning games. That's, you know, second to winning rings. Winning games is the most important thing. And that's what he's doing. And Shaq still doesn't feel like it's enough. Yeah. And again, we're in the first month of the season. Like, what are we even talking about? And, you know, Shaq saying, you know, at first Donovan had said, like, I like that was the answer. And everybody, you know, who loves Donovan loved that because it was like, I don't really have anything to say to you. Yeah. And then he went on to say, like, I've been hearing this since my rookie year and I'm just going to keep getting better. And then Shaq pretended like that solved everything for him. He was like, well, that's what I wanted to hear. I was like, really? Because when he wasn't on the air with you, you just said that you don't believe he can take it to the next level. So has he changed your mind now? Like, it was just a very confusing moment. Yeah, I mean, it's the classic like thing your 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 kids would do, or you've done when you were younger to be like, "Oh, I was just testing you." Like yeah. I, was, I was, I, I that was a test. I didn't really mean it. I just wanted to see how you would respond. It's like Shaq, you're what forty five now, or however old he is. He went to college in the late eighties, and you know, like he doesn't need to be doing this at this point. Then again, like there's flaws with the setup. I'm not sure I ever understood why Shaq was on NBA on TNT. Anyways, like I think there's probably better analysts. I love the show. I still think the show's excellent. I understand the gripes everyone has with it. It's good for the NBA overall. They could certainly uh, stand to freshen things up. Yeah, Sarah, well, and this all comes also like on the heels of Shaq, you know, disrespecting or however you want to call it the fact that Rudy makes $205 million over the next five years, like it comes on the heels of that. And then also him saying that he didn't know who Christian Wood was. That he'd never live. seen him play. Yeah. And so, I mean, and that's, that's actually a larger 
conversation to be had that then that's one of the problems that I have when, you know, end of year voting comes in and people are voting for rookie of the year. You've got all of these like media personalities and analysts that don't watch every game of every team. So like, how are you supposed to have a full, you know, a fully fleshed out opinion? I mean, if you're not watching Donovan Mitchell on a regular night basis, you probably don't know all of the areas that he impacts the game. But like not knowing more about Donovan Mitchell and not knowing more about Christian Wood, like Donovan Mitchell's, he's not a top 10 player, but he's inarguably top 20, especially this season. And Christian Wood is inarguably a top 100 player and even was last season. Like you should have a general knowledge of the Joe Harris's and the, you know, like those types of players, Christian Wood, those guys who impact winning, even if they weren't on good teams, but, you know, help you win games, Spencer Dinwiddie, those types of players. So yeah, that's, that's inexcusable, but you know, Shaq has $400 million. Like I I don't expect him to be watching every game, but that's also why he's an awkward fit for that job. Uh, Let's have the superstar conversation because I, I, I actually don't have a problem. Like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, if they had just laid it out, one or two certain ways. If you wanted to say Donovan Mitchell isn't a superstar, like I said, I don't think Jazz fans would have a problem with it. To do it when they did it was weird. To say all the things Donovan Mitchell can't do and be wrong about them is really weird because let's talk about the six things that Kenny and Charles laid out that make a superstar. Kenny said it was three statistical things, which is points, rebounds, and assists, which, okay. I mean, if you can't see the flaw in that argument already, it's shocking. And then he said, and it seemed like they made up the last three on the spot, which was my favorite part, but they said, Ability to control pace. I think it was leadership. And Mm -hmm. I honestly can't remember what the fifth one was now or the sixth one was now. I mean, it was something, you know, somewhat obscure, you know, kind of like the the extra it factor type of thing that that they like to talk about. Oh, maybe it was defense. Maybe it was just like a broad defensive thing, which, again, is flawed if you're just going to say defense is one entire category. So because if, if that's the case, then like, why is Shaq mad about Rudy Gobert making money? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, Draymond Green doesn't score at all and was probably a superstar for a year or two while you were covering the Warriors. Like, there's arguments to be made there. Uh, So so let's talk about, A, what of those things you think Donovan Mitchell does do and and what is important? I mean, I think that... He doesn't do all of those things on, I think, on the level that Shaq was, I guess, implying that every player should do, like get 20 rebounds a game, I suppose. But... You know, Donovan's the best wing rebounder for the starting unit for the Jazz. Like, that's saying something for a guy that's undersized. And he is actually a better passer than I think a lot of people expected him to be. I don't think that a lot of people expected him to be the kind of playmaker that he is. And sure, there are definitely knocks that you could have to his defensive game. But it's not like it's for lack of trying. It's not like... If you want to knock someone for defense, we could talk about like Boyan completely missing defensive assignments, but it's not like Donovan's out there and he's lazy on that end. Yeah. I mean, you know, Zion Williamson just didn't try on defense over the last two games. Like it was weird to just see him not try. Donovan tries every position. He's not perfect because he's not very big. He's six foot one. He's probably 205 pounds. Like he's just not a big person. He's got long arms, but you know, Brandon Ingram's six foot eight. (laughs) And when he sticks his arms up there, he's reaching, you know, seven foot four. There's nothing Donovan can do to stop a jump shot like that. And even the bigger guards, there's just very little Donovan's going to be able to do. So he's never going to be a lockdown defender. I think he's actually getting really good at controlling the pace of a game and setting the tone for a game, which is what he did in the first quarter, each of the last two games by having these big outbursts. Uh, I think you're seeing that more. 
You're right. His passing, he doesn't dominate games with his passing the way LeBron has or the way uh, James Harden can or Jokic can. Like he's not one of those guys either. So in that sense, if you want to say he doesn't do enough of those six things, I think that's probably an okay argument as well. Again, I thought the presentation was poor. But let's talk about the superstar conversation and how many superstars there are in the NBA. And I'm just going to go off ESPN's top 10 rankings from this season. And you stop me when you think we're not at a superstar. LeBron James, number one, no doubt superstar. Uh, Anthony Davis, number two, no doubt superstar, right? Yeah. This one even gets weird for me, even though I think you could probably say he does enough of the, quote, six things that that Kenny and (laughs) and Chuck arbitrarily assigned. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing is like, you can... You can have players that have done really great things. I'm sure we're going to get to them in this list that are not superstars. And you can also have players that have not done that great of things like winning rings or, you know, whatever the case may be that are superstars. Or or winning anything of consequence in the playoffs. Like Giannis just can't score late in games. He just cannot. And that's why they so desperately needed Bogdan Bogdanovich, or they need Drew Holiday to kind of develop into that guy or Chris Middleton to take kind of that next step where he is the go-to score late because it's not Giannis. He doesn't do that. So we talk about superstars and Giannis can control the game with his rebounding, his passing, certainly with his defense, his ability to control the pace of a game when he gets downhill. Like he does all those things that they talk about and still late in the game, if you need a basket, he can't touch the ball. Yeah, (laughs) that's a problem. And that is kind of the weird hairy aspect of of talking about this superstar conversation the next guy's also go ahead i think it's also i'm one of the pieces that i think might be in that like superstar definition category is that if a team has to game plan specifically for you like they have to change the way that they're going to defend they have to do something i mean we've seen that before in the playoffs with Giannis, where teams will completely change their scheme because they have to I mean, that's the mark. I agree with you. If you have that big of an impact that you're the top player on a scouting report and you alter everything the opposing team does, not that it's just they scouted and made some alterations, but they change everything they do, and we'll get to another player on this list that makes sense when we talk about that with the Jazz, you're a superstar. Uh, yeah. Coming to number four on this list, Luka Doncic. I don't think there's any question. I mean, I- I'm a little curious why the Mavericks have been so bad this year. It hasn't been Luka's fault. No, it definitely has. And... I'm, when you're talking about improving in areas that you didn't expect, like his defense this season has been really impressive. And so he's becoming even more of a superstar. Kawhi Leonard absolutely checks the boxes, scores, yeah. rebounds, changes the game defensively, can slow a pace down in the fourth quarter and control a game. I don't think there's any question there. Number six, Kevin Durant. Of course, he's you know he's probably the second best player in the NBA right now behind LeBron James. He's certainly up in that conversation. This is where we really start to get dicey, and and I think I probably would say he's not, but I'm going to offend local fans when I say that, and that's Damian Lillard. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, and I, I would absolutely buy somebody's argument for it. I, I just look at team success, and that's where you want to get to. The, the Blazers just aren't ever all that good, regardless of the alterations they make around Dame. They just never win the way they should. Yeah, and I think... And some of that over their, you know, over their playoff series that they've had has been a lot about bad luck, whether it's injury or uh, just a different matchup, like not working out the way that they had anticipated. But you do have those. I mean, when you say Damian Lillard and the word superstar in the same category, you have those flashes in your mind of those shots that he makes in the playoffs and like 
how how incredibly explosive he he's one of the few players i think in the league um honestly i could probably name LeBron james jimmy butler damian lillard are probably the top three of guys who can just turn it on you know like that's kind of a cliche phrase that's used around the nba like oh he can turn it on when he wants to and it rarely are there players that can actually do it but i think damian lillard is one of those players where he can actually turn it on and off yeah, I agree with you. He has a, a a switch. He has the Dame time switch, and he can. It's not just fourth quarter; he'll do it for three weeks, like he did yeah. last year, where he scored what was it, he fifty like and 60. sixty? Yeah. yeah, like five times in a, in a two week span, like just an absurd ability. And then you can go back to, well, why aren't your teams winning games? Why is Rajon right. Rondo out playing you in a playoff series? Like those are questions. Number eight on this list, I don't think there's any question for me. Jazz are going to see him tomorrow night. That's Steph Curry. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about a guy who like. I mean, there was one point where he was, you know, not playing over uh, Monty Morris or <laughs> no, Monty Ellis. <laughs> yeah. 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 And and then he was like, you know, MVP and leading one of the dynasties in the league. And he's another guy that like he could turn it on and off. And and that mostly comes from the scoring end. Um, so I think that kind of eliminates, you know, the idea that you can't be a superstar by just scoring. But uh He's incredibly impressive. I would definitely consider him a superstar. Number nine, James Harden. This is who I was talking about earlier about, you know, the Jazz rearranged everything they did to try and account for James Harden's step back three and, you know, some of the moves he has. The Jazz put Royce O'Neal honestly behind James Harden in a playoff series to defend yeah. his back so he yeah. couldn't step into three point shots. And it kind of worked. I mean, the Jazz lost the series, but it was, you know, James wasn't as good. Yeah, that's actually, I remember that series. That was one of the most impressive things I saw. I thought, if you're going to think out of the box, like, this is doing it. What that Good move by Quinn Snyder. I really enjoyed that. But, I mean, and James Harden is the kind of argument where it's like, is he a superstar if you've given him other superstars and put people around him to win and he still can't do it? Can't do it. Yeah, you give him what he... I don't want to be an OKC. I want my own team. He got it. You give him Russell Westbrook. You give him Chris Paul. You give Dwight him Howard. Dwight Howard. Yeah. Yeah. You give him You give him everything that he's wanted and that could possibly increase the likelihood, and he still couldn't do it, and now he's gone. He's somewhere else trying to do it again with superstars. So, and, and you know what? Maybe that's a good argument for Kenny and Charles and Shaq of just saying, like, you can be a great offensive player, but if you don't affect the game in enough ways outside of James' ability to score and he's maybe the best passer in the NBA or he's top three or four, then you're not a, a true superstar. Right. I, I don't think many people, though, would look at James Harden and say, well, he's got an MVP trophy. He, he averages, you know, he, he can have a 50-point triple-double. He's led the league in scoring three times. He's like an eight-time All-NBA player. There's nothing about his resume that would say he's not a superstar. But if you want to have this argument that he doesn't do enough things to affect the game, I might actually buy that because he doesn't win in the playoffs. Exactly. Uh, and then number 10 on this list is Nikola Jokic. I don't think Nikola Jokic is a superstar. I recognize that he's been arguably the best player in the NBA this season. Yeah, I mean, and then there's, you know, the, you could layer these arguments with each of these players almost, except for like the top, you know, two or three. But Jokic is, I mean, what, what are the Denver Nuggets doing? What are they going to do or what are they going right. to be able to do? And if he's one of the best players in the league and if he is a superstar, then like, why can't he, you know, expand their role in the league? And then also, you know, defensively, he's he's not good and he he's slow. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's 
he's got issues. He's still an incredible clutch scorer. He's a guy you can go to late in the game. You know he's going to make the right play. He's going to be the best player on the floor most nights. He steps onto the court. Like every superstar, even they won in the postseason last year. They yeah. overcame the Jazz. They beat the. They were underseeded against the Clippers and got the win. There's a good argument that that's a superstar, and for some reason it doesn't feel like he is to me. But that can change by getting further in the playoffs or winning a championship. Like There are all these things that I think are probably being applied to Donovan Mitchell as well that I understand of why I wouldn't call Donovan Mitchell a superstar and why I actually think that's fair, even though if I thought their presentation was pretty poor. Yeah, and that's, I mean, and that's the thing is that the argument or the knock against what Shaq did last night wasn't about whether or not he called him a superstar or not a superstar. Like you said, it was the presentation and the other things that came around that conversation on the fringes. It was just, it was poorly designed. All right, I'm going to ask you two more players. I think they're the only other two, maybe three. I'll ask you three other players. You tell me if you think they're superstars or not. Or not. You already mentioned him, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, that's a rough one. <laughs> I don't think so, but he was the best player on a team that made the finals, and he hit incredible <laughs> shots. And he was he's a great two-way player, and you know he's he's been in the MVP conversation before. Like I don't know why he's not a superstar, other than for some reason my gut tells me he's not. Yeah, and like I said, I think he's one of the three players in the league right now that can actually turn things on when he wants to, and that's a great mark of a player. But at the same time, you know, this the guys that we're talking about that are superstars, they do have something that, like, Charles and Kenny were talking about is leadership. And, like, I don't think that a guy that kind of blows up multiple teams in the NBA and forces his way out and is arguably one of the most volatile and yeah. hard to deal with players can really be in that conversation. Okay. How about Chris Paul? Cause he has a lot of those same things, even though most <laughs> people would say he's maybe the best leader in the NBA, he doesn't get along with anybody. So what, what is Chris Paul? I think it's fair to say he's a it's former weird. superstar. Yeah. It's weird because uh, a lot of all of these players, I think everyone that you mentioned, I think they're going to end up in the hall of fame, No question, but but I think like a Hall of Fame player, one of the greats, like you could use all of these other descriptors, but like the word superstar, I don't know, applies to someone that like regularly chokes. <laughs> no question. Uh, Paul George. Yeah. No. Okay. And, and he's ranked <laughs> behind Donovan Mitchell. He's at 20 and Donovan's at 19 on uh, ESPN's yeah. top 20 ranking. So, and I agree with you. He looked like he was destined for it. Seemed like they were building a super team with the Clippers, and maybe they still are. You know, you're you're a couple of playoff wins away from being in the finals or getting at least to face LeBron. Uh, maybe they would have gotten there at that point. I, I'm not sure, but yeah, they're not that far off from any of these guys. Are not that far off from having one championship run or whatever it is, where you could easily say, yeah, that's a superstar, no question about it. Yeah, if you imagine, I mean, I mean, just imagine the Jazz go on a tear. They end up winning you know, 50 plus games this season, and then they make it to the finals. Like then we're having a different conversation about Donovan Mitchell. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's just that superstar moment. You know, Donovan had probably two of them last year with his 50 point performances, but maybe it's a game winner like Dame has had to, to win a series or something like that. That is not arbitrary. You had to hit it to win, but it's a single play as opposed to 72 games plus a full playoff series round. Like we, right. we chalk up star moments or what they call in college football Heisman moments to, to being a superstar. And maybe that's all Donovan's missing. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Do you think, I mean, if if you were to sort of imagine that scenario, like if 
they're playing against the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals and Donovan hits a game-winning shot to win a Game 7, like, would you be willing at that point to say, like, Donovan Mitchell's a superstar? Yeah, I guess you probably have to. Yeah. You know? And so... <laughs> And so that's that's the delineating factor in like in Shaq's argument is like it could just come down to one moment. And if that's the difference, then his argument's weak. Uh, and you know what? That might be what John Stockton benefited from most. And, and Stockton was always good and was extremely clutch and was very steady. But, you know, his superstar moment was hitting the three over Barkley. Like he yeah. had a couple of those moments that will stick in NBA fans minds forever. And you say, OK, that guy's a superstar, even though if you kind of watched him day to day, I don't think anyone would say no doubt superstar up with the conversation of, you know, one of the 20 greatest players of all time. Exactly. All right. Find her on Twitter at NBA Sarah, reader at Deseret.com, reader coverage of the Utah Jazz and the Deseret News. Find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Download the KSL Sports app. Read me at kslsports.com. We'll be back with you next week with another episode of the Jazz Notes podcast. Thanks for listening. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.